Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of House of League from slightly different surroundings to usual. Normally it's from uh, the office at short hours, but today it's from the very, very fresh surroundings of St James's Park. We are sat uh, here Sunday morning as we record this, uh, looking out onto the pitch, second day of Magic Weekend incoming. I'm Matt Shaw and alongside me is uh, returning for the first time since the first episode, I think. That's uh, how lowly we think of him, uh, James Smales. Smales, I mean, you've had a bit of a tough weekend, haven't you? Today? Well, you, you said a fresh morning. Uh, I'm not feeling fresh, but uh, I'm still blaming that on that Friday night in Newcastle that you took me on. Uh, one of them, yeah, we'll just go out for one, uh, and then you end up sticking a zero on the end of that one and uh, get me home at seven o'clock. But uh, it's a bit about overcast today, isn't it? We, we had a lovely day yesterday in the sun, some cracking games. Really big attendance. Uh, we're hoping for more of the same today, aren't we? I know when people hear this, but Sunday will have played out, but it's been it's been a really good magic weekend so far. Yeah, well, it's thirty six thousand nine hundred forty three a day one, which was the fourth highest day attendance in the history of Magic, uh, which is a definite positive. Seventeen thousand in for the first game, which was the highest in history of Magic Weekend. Both fantastic. Uh, figures really and and ultimately I, I think I think it has been a win we, we don't know what's going to happen uh, day day two but with everything that's currently going on uh, will magic stay will magic not I think there's been a strong case put forward so far to say it needs to stay to be honest yeah and I think from the conversations that we've both been having with uh, with people on Friday night when we're out and, and with people here within the stadium both on Saturday and Sunday there seems to be a real desire from the clubs to keep this. We know that IMG were not not as convinced. They wanted to change the schedule a little bit. We know that the Challenge Cup's moving back to earlier in the year, around this June weekend date. So, you know, where does Magic fit into that schedule now moving forward? These are the conversations that IMG will no doubt be having with the clubs. But from what we've seen this weekend in Newcastle, it only seems to strengthen the resolve of, of the clubs, I think, to keep Magic beyond this season. We've uh, been able to have a chat with uh, Roger Jones, who's Managing Director of Rugby League Commercial. Let's hear what he had to say. Magic Weekend is part of the calendar, so we can't just look at the calendar, or sorry, the event as an individual event. We have to look at it as the whole. And that's the bit that the IMG recommendation, recommendation one was around creating a calendar that had peaks and flows across the year. You'll all be aware about the Challenge Cup and the work that we've done behind the scenes on the Challenge Cup. And there is a likelihood that that Challenge Cup format and dates will change. Okay, So it might mean that it goes from later in the summer as it is now to perhaps earlier in the summer, which sits in the same time frame as where we are now in terms of June. So then that opens up the obvious question of where does Magic Weekend sit in our calendar? And probably the biggest challenge we might have is availability of city, availability of stadium. So a stadium like this in June, July doesn't have a pitch, for example. August, here for example, they're a Champions League club now. So we've, we've, we've got some hurdles to overcome just in general in terms of looking to put the, the weekend on. But you can't get away from the fact of how great yesterday was. And I fully, fully, fully appreciate that. But there are a lot of things that we have to go and consider. So 
I can't give you a definitive answer about the future of magic, but it's something we're definitely looking at for next year. Have IMG given any details yet regarding the proposed new event that they suggested that would be brought in to replace Magic Week? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of work done in the background on it. Um, it ties in with the broadcast outcome um, to some extent. And so, depending on where we land on that over the next couple of weeks, I think we'll, we'll then look at the new event again in the round of the full calendar. So, if the Challenge Cup moves forward, we then talk about a magic event, potentially. We talk about a new event, potentially. Where do they sit in the calendar? Where can we fit them in without disrupting the lead up to the end of the regular season? So the answer is yes, work is being done in the background. A little bit of it depends on the outcome of the broadcast deal. Can, can you give us any, any like basic detail of what that event might be? It's been kept in the dark, has it? It, is, it has been kept in the dark by virtue that there are a couple of ideas and we haven't quite fixed on one really at this moment in time. Have you got a time frame of when that might be? Yeah, so again, general time frames. So you are going to ask me about broadcast, so I'll answer that. Um, we're in discussions with multiple broadcasters at the moment, live, and we expect that to conclude in the next two to three weeks. I would imagine the calendar will be within the next four to six weeks. So ideally we could wrap it all up by the end of June to give clubs clarity, to give everybody clarity on what our calendar looks like next year. It might just stretch into July, but certainly kind of before the summer holiday period, we'll be set, ready to go. We know what 2024 looks like, which hopefully will also include some International Rugby League at the end of it as well. And there's a lot of head on say you've already talked about lots, but in terms of your conversations as commercial and the AFL and everything, are you happy that the city of Newcastle, Newcastle United Football Club, most importantly, would be open to having you back if you wanted to come back here? Because it, it really feels like the partnership, while it was good in Manchester and Liverpool and even Cardiff, it feels like it's worked really well and there's been a really good two-way between you both. Yeah, I think we can all sit here and go, what a great, great host city. Uh, and we've said that for the last seven years that we've, that we've been here. You know, the, the, the football club have been great partners. They're changing, they're evolving by virtue of ownership and Champions League football. So they're changing, but they, they very much like this weekend. You know, they could have had other music concerts this weekend. They've got one next weekend, but we're here because they value the partnership. The council have been great. Um, I think anyone uh, yesterday or Friday said that we bring in roughly six to eight million pounds into the city. We've got to do the right commercial deal with the city and the stadium to make this, this event work. And whilst the council do support us, we think we, sh we, we have the, the right and the ability to go and ask for a better financial deal from the collective uh, to make a magic weekend more profitable if we were to go ahead. Are IMG here? They were here yesterday. Yep, Matt Dwyer was here yesterday uh, and their new event lead was here yesterday as well to look at magic and take in what magic is all about. And do you think after the way yesterday went with the crowd and maybe may spark a, a rethink or change of mind among people at IMG who have recommended for it to go? Yeah, possibly Gary. Um, I, I think it's probably been a, it's going to be a consistent thing that's been said over the last couple of years. Another five to ten thousand in the stadium would would make this event really fly, 
you know, in terms of the way it looks, the way it comes across, the noise generated, the atmosphere, but also from a financial position as well. Um, but it's a great foundation to build on. Uh, and that's probably one of the conversations in line with the new event is do we focus on revamping magic, which was part of that IMG presentation back in October, or do we focus on a brand new event and perhaps not so much on magic? Is anyone from Newcastle United's ownership group here? Not that I'm aware of. The United Saudis library around the back of the sofa, see what they got. <laughs> no. <laughs> Would you say your position as RFL commercial on the future of magic is, is, is different? Um, um, to that of IMG, you know, is it your desire to find a way to keep it, and do IMG still have to be convinced? Um, yeah, good question. Look, from my position, we have to make we have to make rugby commercial financially viable, profitable, and we have to find the right mix in the calendar to make that profit profitable. Because ultimately, profits we make derive go go down into the clubs, so we have to find the right mix to be able to deliver back to the clubs increased revenues. Um, from an IMG perspective, look, they, they, didn't, they didn't disregard Magic as part of the recommendations. They actually refer to it as, as revamping Magic Weekend. However, the headline was that the loop fixtures were being removed, of which Magic is a loop fixture at this moment in time. So is there a, is there a potential way of reworking the calendar? Magic might not become a loop fixture going forward, similar to what the NRL is at the moment. That's an option that could be looked at. But at the moment, we'll get through today, we'll do the assessment, we'll do the financial outcome of it, uh, and then we'll go from there once we know the broader calendar and where we end up on broadcast as well. Would that mean clubs to be convinced to lose a home fixture to have a game at a magic-type weekend event? That's, that's what happens in the NRL. It's quite exciting to think the positive side of it. Potentially, Dave. Potentially. Yeah. What was your take on the Summer Bash recently this year? Um, it was the first Summer Bash I've been to for probably four or five years, having been at the Super League side. Um, the concept is right. The concept is right. But clearly, as you guys all could see, and as I could see, the, the fans didn't warm to it. Um, and I think there's a... There's an element of location based on that, and certainly the feedback that I saw during the course of the weekend, and that you know that the stadium at York, fantastic facility, it's brilliant. However, it just didn't warm the fans up to come. So that's the biggest piece of feedback I took from it um, in terms of there was an outcry for Blackpool return. Um, Blackpool hasn't been available for the last two years, as far as I'm aware, uh, changing ownership structure, etc. So again, as you would expect me to say the feedback we know what the feedback is we we have put some feelers out in terms of hosting it for next year but unless we get the right mix then you know we have to question its validity has there been any thought of trying to bring brash and magic together as one event there has yeah that would make it a really long weekend obviously <laughs> yeah different yeah and yeah that's that's something that has been talked about that i've seen that's not something that i've looked at in any great detail I don't know about their views and whether they still want it. What I do know is they relish coming here and we put a platform on to the players to perform. And I think you see that yesterday. You know, we, we generally see 
exciting games here. We don't get many. We don't get many dull games here, and I think that's because we put a platform on. Why would you not want to perform out here? We do end up with probably more tries being scored at this weekend than than other rounds. So in terms of the experience we give to the coaches and the players, that's a big tick in the box coming to a place like this. And that could be the same said for when we were at Cardiff and, and Manchester and what have you. But you know, I think when you are here, you're getting engrossed in it and everything is, you know, yesterday was a fantastic day for Super League and the sport. It was a real shop window. But we have to look at it in the round and look at the calendar as a whole and make the right decision. The thoughts of Rodri Jones uh, speaking at Magic Weekend about the concept's future. With me now to discuss that and much, much more is uh, he's back. Finally, it's been a long time coming. Uh, Paul Cook, Cookie, great to have you, mate. Um, Magic Weekend, you spent the weekend there. What, what were your thoughts on it? I think it's fantastic, Matt. The concept of it, I think the location of it's fantastic. Um I certainly wouldn't want to be giving it up in the calendar. Uh, I think it's a wonderful weekend for the fans, um, a wonderful weekend for the players as well. Uh, us in the media get uh, to watch all six games across two days. It, it's just, a, a, I just think it's a, well, we don't pat ourselves on the back as much as we should in, in terms of some of the real positive stuff we're doing with the league. And Magic Weekend is certainly that for me. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. What do you make about this proposal? It's one that I, I keep hearing people mention. The, the idea of maybe taking it to the Etihad, where they've got a few of their facilities, you know, they've got the, the running track, I think they've got another stadium across the bridge, and maybe having like a festival of rugby league, something like, a, you know, a couple of championship games, women's games, Super League games, and having it as like one big event. What do you make of that? Yeah, I can understand that concept. Uh, I just think the location of, of Newcastle in, in the town centre, but it's... it's... Look, fans can buy the tickets and, and, and for the full day, and then they can go and have a beer in the town centre or some food, and then come back. Or you know, they're not they're not stuck in one place. Uh, when we did have it at the Etihad previously, I went there as um, a supporter of it, uh, uh, not even a member of the media. I just went to watch one of the days. Um, I think I was still playing the championship at the time, and it's just out of the way a little bit from from the the centre of Manchester, isn't it? So. I, I, I think with all with all with all what's been built at the Etihad, then it could be a good idea. Um, I never went out in Cardiff when when it was in Cardiff, um, but because I'd left Pulisic and gone to OPR at the time, so I sort of avoided that like the plague. But you can understand the Cardiff concept as well, you know, being in in, in the centre of the town. So um, yeah, it's, it's going to the Etihad and, and using the outside pitches to make it a rugby festival. Which is in, involving, um, you know, all, all forms of rugby and the inclusive inclusivity of it all. Um, yeah, I can certainly understand that. Let's go on to some of the uh, the other matters within the game at the minute. This, I think, look, the one we're going to have to address is the Josh Maguire situation. Uh, charged, found guilty, twelve match ban, his second uh, his second charge of the season for unacceptable language. Um, Look, the, the easy question for me to ask you, is, is is there a future at Warrington, even in the professional game for Josh Maguire after this? I'm not sure, but I, I don't think so. I don't think you can be banned for 19 games of a season. Um, uh, and be any value whatsoever to the fact you're playing for. Um, you know, he's over here to play rugby league for Warrington at first grade level. And for 19 games... 
who Paul Burnley himself, not the club himself, um, because he can't keep his mouth shut, um, it's it going to cost him heavily. I don't suppose he'll give back 19 weeks of his salary, Matt. That would do it that, would it? I highly doubt it. Highly doubt it. I just don't, I just don't know. I don't know what... I don't know what Josh McGuire thinking. I mean, I'm all for being able to to, to have that on-field banter and stuff like that. Um, but to, to make it to, to make comments of, of any kind of derogatory comment of, of anybody's family or whatever, you know, even if it's a derogatory comment, which is more personal and um, and you go deeper, you delve into somebody's, you know, whether it's sexuality or whether it's you know race, religion. I just don't get it. I just don't get. I just don't get the why people would do that. I mean. Not, it's not tough, is it? It's not tough going on the field and doing them things. It's just, it's just dogging, isn't it? I mean, look, you'll know. You've spent years and years on the field. You will have had your fair share of sledges. You will have heard your fair share, fair, fair share of sledges from other players. But and, and there is, look, there's a line, isn't there? You, you'll have had some way you profile. Oof, that's pretty brutal, that. But then there, there is that line. You know where to stop, surely. Never clocked that, Matt. And I don't think I ever said anything which would clock that line either. I mean, I'm trying to think back to some of the stuff that I did say in Sledging. I mean, I got, in, I got in bother once for, um, for you know, performing the very first full derby and the fullback dropped the goal car and I hammered him because he was not a regular fullback. So I was just basically telling him that, that won't be the first one he got called in. Um, and I got in bother for that off Steve Jansen, the Sledging, like that. I suppose if I'm getting involved with that, then then the game would be pretty limited. You know, for, for Josh's comment particularly, it just took, you know, you're cutting too close to the ball. It's very simple. Don't do it. Yeah, can't disagree with that. Um, I mean, we're bad. it's been a bad week for Warrington, hasn't it? Not not only that, but to lose uh, to, lose to Hull FC at, at Magic, lose top spot, um, look, we all have those good weeks and bad weeks, but as far as bad weeks go, it's been a pretty pretty lousy one for Warrington. Obviously, the, the off-field players uh, magnified that, hasn't it? But um, we've got off to a great start, man. But they've scored a try off a kick, and then they've scored a try off a drop ball against Hull. Uh, you go to I thought Hull defended really well. Um, and it's easy to sit there and say Warrington play poorly. Yes, they did have the moments and play poorly, but they've had enough football first half, Matt, to be able to pose more points than just well. Um and and they only scored one try second half. Uh, I thought Hull defended really well. It's easy to say Warrington played four, but I thought Hull was really resilient. Not something that we've often said. What do you make of Hull at the minute, Cookie? Like we spoke a lot about them. I you know where I've been. Um I've been of the belief that it would get worse before it got better, but Maybe it's already got worse, and maybe it's starting to get a little bit better now because it's not—it's not a flash in the pan now, is it? We've seen FC put put the odd performance in and then back to normal. They've been pretty decent now for a, a fair period of time. Yeah, five out of six left, or seven, and then they've won five of six games. Um, I think going through the seven match game uh, unbeaten, uh, being beaten every week for seven weeks is really tough for the players. I agree with you. I thought it, that maybe is as bad as it'll get over the next two years for them, or three years if Johnny's sees his contract out. Johnny's but um, 
what what I, what I saw with Tull FC even through that seven match um, when there was been seven games was there was still a togetherness and there was still a calmness about it. Um, there was still a patient a patience about them and, and the owner and and um, the the players on the field. Uh, I think they knew it would get better and it will get better. Um, it's a heck of a job, Matt, isn't it? Because you've got them twenty players out of contract. I give, listen, they wanted to keep Chris Sartre and it will go to Catalan. I dare say they probably wanted to keep Brad Dwyer, but he's going to go uh, to Warrington. Um, so that means they've got to find another couple of players, either way, whether they keep a couple of players that were in the squad. But it's a hell of a job to turn it around. Um, and it certainly wasn't going to be a quick fix. But, but ironically, or you know, we've said they've been so poor this season. Um, uh, and they've won five of six now. And they sit on the verge of, of, of pushing into the top six. Um so yeah, I'm really pleased for Tony. Obviously, he's a friend of mine, um, and I think they've done it tough, and he's got a heck of a job on his, his hands still. But there's no better person to have at the home for me to, to be able to get the club around. Just on FC and recruitment and retention, you, you mentioned Satay and Dwyer. It, it sounds like Adam Swift will leave. Where that is, who knows? But he, he wants to be nearer to the northwest. That seems fairly common knowledge. Is the Suppose Adam Swift. So Adam Swift apparently wants to go back to the northwest. Um, so he's likely to leave because obviously he can't get much further away from the northwest in Super League than than Hull FC at the minute. Um, my, my only concern for Hull is that's three players that have probably wanted to keep, and they aren't going to be easy ones to replace, are they? No, and that's that. Uh, this is the problem that 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 they've got. They've got they've got twenty players. In at the minute, and the, I, you know, we've spoken about this at length, Matt. How long was looking at the way the was playing over them seven weeks? He was looking at 16 of them maybe getting punted out the door. Now, 16 of them getting punted out the door, and you want to keep four of them, and three of them four are going. You think we're led to believe? So now you've got to find three, or you keep three players in of the 16 that you would, you would really like to move on. It's, it's a real tough job because. You know, you've got to be right for the player at the club to come to the club or to stay at the club. And let's say Adam Smith, like, if he does want to go back to the Northwest, then I dare say he'll have a number of suits to be able to go back to the Northwest. Um, he's playing really good football. He, he, I thought he was outstanding at the weekend, um, uh, as was a number of players for home. But uh, it's, it's not easy to, to recruit and retain. It's the, the most difficult part of the job is to recruit and retain players. Uh, the recruitment particularly, Matt, because it's a chance, you take a chance on anybody coming into the organisation and fitting into the organisation and then making it a home for themselves over here in home and, and then playing good with the league on top of it. It's, it's, it's not easy. And, and, and ultimately, the guillotine will fall on your head based on your recruitment and your retention. And if you don't get it right and you get, you've got some bad apples in there or you've got some players that you thought would play a certain way for you and they just don't fit in and you sign them on a two-year contract and, and then it starts upsetting the rest of the group. It's a, it's a really tough one, um, but it will ultimately decide your job. If we move on, um, where should we go? Who, who should we speak about? There's, there's plenty to go at at the minute. Um, the biggest story for me, Matt, the biggest story for me, the capitulation at Butterfield. I can't disagree. I'm not sure there's a bigger story with the league at the minute than 
Ken Davis Millions being put into the club and it's just not working. Um, or, you know, I spoke about this when I was um, on national radio at the weekend with Mark Wilson. They have got maverick players that don't play in a maverick way because they're the most structured team in the competition. So why sign maverick players? Well, it's it. It says everything right now, doesn't it? That he signed Jake Connor, did Ian Watson, because he felt he needed another footballer in the team. And now he's come out and said after that defeat that they had at the at the weekend, St. Helens, that he's bringing Ollie Russell back to play alongside Theo Farge because that's what they need. So then you ask the question, well, was the idea of what you needed to go to the next level actually the right thing in the first place? It wasn't far off that, was it, when they lost the Challenge Cup? To me, when they lost the Challenge Cup, that that magnifies the, the need to have more footballers because they just turned the ball over in the corner and it was just, you know, to watch it, it was an eyesore at the end of their sets in the Challenge Cup final. It was a little bit, but it's like there was time not to lose a game but not to go out and win it against the game. And then you bring in a footballer of Jake Connor's quality to play him in the half. And I, I'm not sure I've seen Jake Connor as a half see him as a fullback, he's, he's actually a very good centre, but he, he can't make a decision as a halfback to throw the ball to the right player, whether that's the short lead or the man that will come on the fleet while they're on the back. Um, but when he plays fullback, he picks the right pass all the time. He can't, it's like, but you basically sign um, four, five, six players that can play halfback, fullback, and three of them are going to miss out. The lower he's going to miss out. Will Price is going to miss out. Jake Connor's going to miss out. Theo Farge is going to miss out, which he isn't. And then you've got uh, Ollie Russell. And you're thinking, well, you know, where, where, who's going to play where? To me, it just seems like there's not much of a play. Well, you can see that with the amount of rotation, can't you? You know, that he's rotating his squad that much at the minute. That much that... It can't be helpful. He still he signed all of these players. He doesn't know the best position and for what reason they are the best player to play in that position. Uh, get books. It's really baffling to me because Ken Davy throws all this money in, and you can understand year one where they've got a tennis squad around. You can even understand a little bit of year two, but he's in year three, isn't he? Now, right? I think something's got to give at some point. Got to start winning some games. And it's not now that they're, they're losing games. They're losing them heavily. And even when they get beat by uh, 10, 12, 14, the scoreline flatters them. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, Cookie, as well, last year, you know, they prided themselves on defence. I'm just looking at some of the results. Conceded 48 to Saints, 42 to Salford, 30 to Lee, 28 to Hull KR. You know, defensively, they are leaky at the minute, which is everything against what Ian Watson wants his teams to be. Yeah, the defence are tight with them and the DNA have been difficult to beat. He's not, he's not in the DNA anymore. Um, so so, so it's, it's gone so far the other way that we're talking about them um, not being able to defend back-to-back steps or not being able to defend penalties or not being able to defend adequately in a not see almost 30 points a game is what you've just said there. Out four or five of them fixtures, so um, 
I will say, take nothing away from St. Helens at the weekend because I thought it was magnificent. Um, and I was speaking to the media guy from um, uh, at St. Helens and I said, there's no way they could play as badly as they played at Leeds where they got a result in Golden Point against Huddersfield again. And if they do click, then you know that when St. Helens do click, they can rattle 48 points on anybody. Um, the problem for Huddersfield is it was Huddersfield. And the other problem for them is the game in hand against St. Helens, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair point. Do, do you think Ian Watson's under pressure, Cookie? Do you think? Uh, uh, no, let me re- let me rephrase that. Do you think that his job is on the line right now? I don't know whether his job's on the line right now. I think he's under real pressure. Oh, pictures, Matt. If I'm led to believe that they go Catalan, they play Seattle, they play Warrington this weekend, they play they play. The leads away, they're away from home in the next four weeks. And the only one that you look at the winning in the next four weeks could be leads away from home. Um, but if that doesn't happen and they look far on the trot, then you know they, they you'll find that you'll find that Castleford might win a couple more and then you will be the rugby second bottom, they could be third bottom, well, they are third bottom now. Um, and, and for a team that's spending as much as Huddersfield with the players that Huddersfield have got, surely if that is. We're looking from the outside in. The fans are looking from the outside in. The owners on the inside and thinking they're not getting any better here. What's good? What's what changes? What what do we do here? Um, because there's got to be some answers and solutions to, to the way that they're playing. Um, and I, I'm not sure whether there's the right balance in their team uh, in any which way, shape, or form. As I said, particularly with them Maverick players and the pivotal players within the team, because I just don't think. That they know what what their best team is as yet. On the flip side, what about Lee? Two points off top. What what season they they are having? And you know what? I won't rule them out doing some serious damage at the end of the year yet. Well, if, if they're in them, if they get in the six, and it's still in it. If they get in the six, um, they don't change the way that they play from one week to the next a great deal. But what you see is what you get. What you see on the tin is what you get. Um, they're a difficult team uh, to defend against because they throw lots of shape and numbers at you. Um, and on the flip side, of, as you said about Huddersfield, they look really cohesive. They look really comfortable with the way that they're playing. They look really comfortable defensively. And um, I mentioned this at Magic as well. But they've signed good people as well as good players. Um, and that's not always been the case at least. Uh, you know, when I was in Super League previously. And obviously I was in and around that organisation as an assistant. But um, they've got a real good mix of, of experienced players, tough players, um, quality players, younger players. Uh, and they're making, the, again, they're making the right noises and signing, you know, moving forward to 2024. Dan Norman, who's signed the two-week loan this week uh, from St. Helens. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an off-the-field match. You know, Derek and the club uh, and the entertainment it, it are leading the way, but by country mile in terms of you know off-field entertainment. And his uh, his jackets, I think only Derek Beaumont could pull off some of the clobber that he's wearing at the minute. I sent him a message on Twitter um, on on Sunday night, and I got home and congratulated him. Um, and, and my partner, Melissa, just said, "Can you tell him? Can you ask him where he got that jacket from, Paul? Because I want one." <laughs> So, so we're in the process of trying to get one for 
I bet he's fucking. Oh, I bet. I bet he's not. Where there's a will, there's a will. Very true. And, and speaking of which, um, Castleford, let, let's let's have a chat about Cass. Um, you know, I'm really pleased for Andy last because he's been hammered. He has been hammered uh, in recent weeks, and I don't think there was a happier man in the ground than him when that hooter sounded on uh, on Saturday. We'll go on to Leeds in a minute, but I mean, they needed that, didn't they, Cookie? Yeah, they did. Um, um, the thing with the thing with, with when we spoke about OFC early, Matt, and it's going to get worse before it gets better. You cannot think anything differently than that organisation at Castleford. Um, it's going to get worse before it gets better. He's it, it, trying to move players on that he don't want to be group next year to bring players in. Difficult to bring players in because you've got the threat of relegation. If we deal with a few, it's a massive win for them because it gives them a four a four game swing. Now I'm not sure if they wait till winning four games they can't drop in anymore for the remainder of the league, but. Um, it's, it's a real difficult job again to cast a big job because it's not it's run on a budget as opposed to a salary cap uh, and, and spending the full cap so you've got to be really careful with where you spend your money and who you spend your money on uh, and the players at the club that are out of contract and there's a number of them uh, it, it, it's a real difficult one to manage the whole organisation and still try and get your boat but you can understand the frustration of cast I'm sure Andy Lass can understand the but ultimately, um, it's going to take a long time to be able to fix it completely. And it's it, it, it very similar to some of the, the transitions of clubs that we've seen over the last few seasons, and, and some of them that are still in it, and you know, one point in last year to this year. So it, it's not an easy fix for them. And uh, on the flip side, I mean, what what can we say about Leeds? They are just utterly bonkers. Um, Matt, I say this a lot. Put up or shut up. Either, either talk the talk and walk the walk, or don't talk, just try and walk the walk. Because at the minute, it's excuse after excuse after excuse coming out of the organisation. Um, well, every organisation has, has uh, adversity thrown at them. Uh, I was really worried about the this to a number of people after St. Ellen Deaton in Golden Point and he's down well players um, that lost the three players to injury. I think that might affect them much more in the next week and two weeks. And last week, obviously, affected them in terms of energy. Uh, and, and it's not an easy place to be at least after that loss against St. Ellen. It's a real tough one, not only because they lost in Golden Point last week again, but to lose three players, to, 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 and I felt they deserved something out of that game. And it, it may well be a game that, that cost them much more than just the two points against St. Owen. I think Rowan Smith's under pressure. Uh, I, I do. I, I'm getting to this point now. I, I, I didn't see any aftermath comments at, at Magic Weekend. But a, a blockathon, I'm, I'm, I read it, he called it a blockathon. Um, again, it just comes out, it comes out as another excuse. It's like, you're just going off at left field on a different angle to try and protect your team and your players and, and the fact that you was crap. That's what it was, Cookie. You know, the, look, I I'm, I sit in every Rowan Smith press conference pretty much and it is getting a little tedious hearing him talk about rook speed this and uh, pace of the game that. For me, 
it, it's quite simple. Rowan Smith has a way that he wants the game to be played. It is not officiated in that way. And simply, the game isn't going to change for him. He has to change his coaching methods to make sure that the game suits what he's trying to do. Because at the minute, it's not working. It's not working. It's as simple as that. It keeps coming out. It's about the game itself, as you've just said. Because it just looks excuses. It looks like it's an excuse for the fact that your team aren't winning. Um, and, and that's why I say, I say it a lot, of, uh, you know, particularly about the whole team where, where I live. Put up or shut up. Simple as that. You've got to find a way of getting results. Uh, and that's as simple as it is. Otherwise, you lose your job. It's very simple. The game's cut. It's ugly. Particularly for coaches. So, I, I'm not copying all these excuses. I, I was I was ticked for them against St. Owen because I felt that he's there at least a point from the game and probably deserved to when Saints didn't play well. But they didn't get them that. And they didn't get them this week. And they played Wakefield this weekend. And if they don't get them there, then, I mean, the first team to lose to Wakefield is going to be the one. You know, everybody sits up and, and that coach and that group of players that lose to Wakefield uh, going to be the one that uh, magnified that week, particularly. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Well, let, let's see what happens with Leeds. Um, who haven't we spoken about? We haven't spoken about Saint Helens, who, by the way, are now only four points off top, have a game in hand, were outstanding on Sunday. That. I don't care what anyone says. I do not care what anyone says. They are still the team to be. Absolutely. Completely agree. Completely agree. And, and there was always going to be periods of, of um, where, where, where the intensity was not uh, where it should be in games because they played arguably their biggest game in their team's history for a number of years in game one of the season where they were magnificent in beating Elliot. And the, you cannot replicate that week in week out. And that's why we saw the lose. That's why we saw the lose games that we wouldn't normally see the lose. Um, but they, they remained really patient. They remained really smart with, with Wellen and the coaching staff and, you know, both Mike Rush and Aaron uh, McManus. They've just got a really well-run organisation. And it was always, I mentioned it, it's a click. You can't, they, you can't stop them. They're so quick, they're strong, so resilient, they're ruthless. Um, and once they click, they're, they're going to get you. Now, they won't play as good as they did last week, probably this week, uh, in, in the derby, but it'll be a, a, an intense performance every two against Wigan. Because they won't play like that they did last week, uh, maybe another month, but, but they'll still win games, they'll still play from the level where they win games. Um, they are creeping up behind everybody. And, and the number of weeks at the beginning of the season, everybody was saying, well, it's now open, this open league's open. Well, listen, I think if you beat St. Helens, you'll win the Dumpire. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. Uh, I, want, I want to end on two clubs that I think all season, really, have been slept on and deserve a little bit more credit than they are getting. The first one is Salford, fifth in the league, two points off top. Um... <laughs> I don't know what to say other than I think Paul Rowley is doing a fabulous job, Cookie. I really do. Yeah, well, I spoke to the team after the game and I spoke to Rowley um, in the bar. I think it was the bar after the 
Um, they should have been 20 points up at half But chance after chance after chance. And you worry that it's going to bite them on the backside if you think you are picking them to the coast, if you like. Um, but it, they are probably the most difficult team to defend against in the competition because they move the ball so free, freely and frequently and accurately. They've got a couple of halfbacks in a Maverick one uh, in Brody Fox and the calmness of the other in Max Lee. Um, Riley gets around the field and covers Robert um, from fullback. You've got Akazu plays at nine. Um, the trio's playing really well. I know they are just in the transfer. But it, it, it's just a really, really well-coached and well-built team. And yes, they do deserve more credit than they get. Yes, they do. Uh, but ultimately, people expect them to fall off cliff because of the minimal spend that they have at the club. Um, uh, but, but they continue to defy all of them. You're right, we're always doing a magnificent job and the players understand the method and why they're doing what they're doing. It's just a really... I, I really enjoy watching... Baltic. I was not working and covering the, the Baltic the Guardian, and I wanted to go to watch it because I thought it would do a game of the weekend. We didn't quite turn out that way, but um, Baltic wants to go and get a result. What do you make of the Tyler Dupree situation, Cookie? The situation with Tyler Dupree is that he signed a contract at Salford, and now he can get more money elsewhere. Um, he, for me, I, I think if they end up that is a 40 months away from them voting. Um, as players do. And ultimately, if, if he wants to leave the club, then my, by my reckoning, Paul, Paul Romy won't want him to stay at the club. Because you'll have a player that's a little bit of that pain and, and agree that he hasn't got the deal to work in the club. So, um, not, let's say, it won't be the first, it won't be, you know, not the first, it won't be the last. Um, for, for, for the club had been signed the contract for, for a number of years after the term. His agent obviously will have a, a, a say in it. Obviously, if the club still want him, then he'll be trying to get him the best possible deal. Obviously, that will be both if the agent is well presented wise. But um, I, I'd, if, I, if I had to wager, I don't think he would be about the next year. I tend to agree. I tend to agree. But let's see how that one plays out. Um, and finally, We'll end on the league leaders, Catalan, who, look, I'm going to have to hold my hands up here. I didn't have them in the six this year. I thought this was the beginning of a transitional period. I thought this would be the start of a rebuild uh, at the top of the league. So what do I know? Absolutely nothing, clearly. And and they were absolutely awesome as well against Wigan on, uh, on Saturday. They were fantastic and... They might, they, well, they are, def, definitely, they are contenders. They're out of the Challenge Cup, obviously, but they are grand final contenders for me now. Well, you know what, Matt? I have them in the six. And, uh, and I say that because I believe they've got the fire their team by one. Uh, you've got, you know, Mitchell Pierce is playing really well. You've got Thompson in the half of the weekend. You've got Atomar playing fullback. You've got McLaurin who's still being the best that he is and, and a great team. Continue to disregard to his own body and that thing to be. They've got a big, big, big set of forward. Um, I thought that they was the pick of their one in terms of performance, and I didn't think that performance would be clipped, but they still owned the clip to the day after. Um, but 
the scoreline last week we did uh, in terms of them getting, getting a number of points uh, after Catalan had hit 40 plus. Um, but to get 40 plus against Wigan is no mean feat. So uh, I thought they were fantastic at the weekend. And I genuinely believe they are the most difficult team to play against when they're winning and going right for them. They are just relentless. They just out forward. The big fella just bowing forward. Um, it must be a dream to be a half of the team. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I said it uh, live on air at the weekend. Um, you would not be a fool and you would not be called a fool thinking that they just did a dunk on it. I'll say this, Cookie, just just quickly, because we, we've not touched on Wigan. I think they've got a real issue here with the, the French field scenario. They had field at six, and it just defensively, he was just spotted all game. It did not work. Uh, Mitch, Mitchell Pierce had a field there. But. As a halfback. Um, yeah, I, 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 I see why he moves field to six, and I see that he wants to play fullback. Um, the way they've done it in the past is they've had field fullback French on the wing, uh, they can interchange that. But if you put Jai Field on, on the front line, defending three in from a sideline, that left edge of Catalan butchered them, butchered them. You know, then they had, then they've got the, the back row inside of them, the, you know, like, oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, you know, the right edge back there. Um, but it just, it just didn't look cohesive. And Jai Field got some close to the inside man where he gets bent by Arthur Morg. Um, it just it was just too easy to attack against Wigan right at the weekend. Um, but not to say that he can't improve that. But when you defend as a fullback and you're not on the front line, to then all, to then go to defend as a halfback three from the sideline, where you've got to get check leads and get off them onto the sweep runner, you've got to be able to bounce off your left leg. It's such a specialised and skilled position to defend in. It doesn't just happen overnight. I think there's some big calls there for. Uh... For Matt Pete, in terms of it, it's very similar to the Watson situation where you're just trying to find a hole for a peg as opposed to being around on a, on a square one. Um, he's trying to fit in all of the really good players he's got into positions where he sees that they can have a benefit on the game on one side of it uh, in terms of offensively. Um, I think Matt Pete would have gone away from uh, James' part at the weekend with lots more questions and answers to how he picks it team this week. That's where we'll wrap up this episode of House of Lee. Thank you for listening and we'll be back for another episode very shortly. Enjoy your rugby league this weekend. Take care, everyone. 